Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. I know in this family, we have been walking through a lot lately. I feel weird, like, haven't we? (laughs) My back is always turned this way. I'm not good at the circle yet. But walking out of a place of divestment, the word that's been released, to divorce, to then vow, right? Are some of these the things that we're walking through? To release, then to receive, to leave, to then cleave, to disengage, to then engage. And we have a father who has set a tone in this home of what it looks like to walk a lifestyle of divestment. And I want to honor him tonight because he is a father who has gone before us to then turn and teach us what it looks like to lay things down, to divorce from something you've always known, to disengage from a lifestyle or to disengage from a filter, to disengage from something that's not of his father. He's a perfect example of I only do what I see my father doing. And so tonight we have the honor of having the father of this home coming to teach us. So I want full engagement with notebooks and notes and our trading floor money to be able to trade into everything that is being released because what we're walking into is learning to walk in covenant with Yahweh. And it makes me think a lot about like marriage. Tyler and I redid our vows five years ago and we completely redid our marriage under a father who guided us and released us into what pure covenant looks like. He released us into what a real covenant should be walked out like. He helped tear up the foundation, expose what was there, and then walk us into something new. And so that's what tonight is. A teaching on that, on how to follow in that way of disengaging to engage. So tonight, Dad... We just thank you and honor you for leading our family well, for teaching us how to be crossover people and how to walk a lifestyle of disengaging to engage. Can we just can we just do something different and just stand for a second? I know we were just moving. I just want to take a moment. And I just want, is it okay if I just hug you and pray? Yahweh, I thank you for the father that you've given us over this home. That doesn't just release a word out of knowledge, but releases a word out of experiencing you. that guides a family in how to walk out knowing that it's gonna be hard, but on the other side is true freedom. I thank you for a dad who stands in the place and says, I will only do what I see my father doing and then turns back to teach this family how exactly to be just like that. Who walks out that symmetry with you knowing that our legacy depends on every moment that we take seriously and every moment we engage with you and every moment we walk in covenant with you is what changes and shifts the trajectory of the legacy that we are 
having followed us. And so I thank you. I thank you. And I just declare a blessing over him tonight that as he releases that every word would fall on the hearts and com- on our hearts and completely transform us as a family. We honor him tonight and we thank you for releasing him to us. In Yeshua's name. <clears throat> How's everybody doing? It's heavy in here, man. I want to thank you, Derek, for taking time to lay yourself down to seek the voice of the Father on the behalf of all the men in here. I know how busy you are, how demanding your own life is, but the fact that you would do that in preparation for communion is tremendous. And I want everybody to just get the overall sense that it's not like we're just doing communion and hey, Derek's a good man, so we'll have him headed up. But Yahweh is setting things in order. He's called a son to take an inventory and look at the state of men in our family and set things in order. And he's doing it for a reason. It's not a coincidence. And as we're standing up here and Derek is being led by the Spirit to speak over each one of us, I can feel tremendous grace and tremendous expectation at the same time. It's not one or the other. It's not like a season of grace or a season of intensity or expectation. They're both, both of those things are here right now. Because I believe what the the messages that we've been preaching about divestment and what we're going into are also two sides of the same coin. And if you're going to grab a hold of one, you got to grab a hold of the other one. If you want to embrace grace, you also have to embrace that there's going to be some expectations and some responsibility on you. Amen. And I can feel that tonight. And I want everybody to know that it's not, we're on a course. Yahweh has a purpose for this house. He has a purpose for every single one of you as a, as a member of this family. And there's tremendous grace for it, but there's also tremendous expectation. And to the men in the house, as he was doing the, the communion, I just heard the Lord saying that he's calling the men to the carpet in this house. He's calling you to the carpet, which means he has expectations for you. It means ultimately that when the violence of fire comes knocking on your front door, he expects the men to answer the door first. It doesn't mean we're more fierce, because I'll tell you what, there's some some warrior women and mothers in this house. I'm not trying to say we're going to answer the door because we're more fierce, but the, the important thing is that we're supposed to go first. And Yahweh is calling each and every man. I'm telling you right now, there's gonna, I'm saying it out loud because there's going to be a level of accountability and expectation amongst the men in this house that if you don't go first, if you're not first for your family's sake, if you're not taking responsibility for what happens with your bride, you, there's nobody else to blame. When Yahweh assigned Yeshua to take responsibility for the bride, he didn't argue. He didn't point the finger. He didn't say, well, what about so-and-so and such-and-such and and what they're doing? He went first. We've been talking about divestment, and that's been an intense word. It's been a very intense, short season. Right, A lot of expectation, but there's a lot of grace. Let's remember that as we talk tonight, because I feel like some of you guys might be mad at me by the time this is over. Maybe you're already mad. I don't know. But just to remember that the... Did I? Sometimes I say stuff and I'm just, you know, it's like you say it and it's like, well, it's out there now. So 
part of that expectation is if one of the things that I felt really heavy to communicate was that if you're struggling with divesting, and I'm going to get to where we're going in the big picture of why he's taking us down this course. But if you're struggling with the things that he's asking you to divest yourself from, you are not going to answer the door when the violence or the fire comes to your door. When the test comes to your door, not if, but when, you will not walk in loyalty or covenant if you're struggling with divesting. If you're having a hard time divesting from celebrating Christmas, okay, I'm just the messenger, okay? I'm the messenger, remember that, okay? But like I said, if you want to embrace the grace, you got to embrace the responsibility too. You can't just soak up all the grace and not walk out the responsibility. If you're struggling with divesting, figure it out, right? Figure it out. Be obedient. Figure it out. Sort it out. Because I'm telling you, you can't walk in loyalty if you're not willing to divest. It won't happen. Divestment has made the way for us to step into understanding I feel like what is a redeemed understanding of loyalty and covenant. We couldn't have understood this before if we didn't walk through what we've walked through together. We couldn't understand what he's imparting now if we didn't understand that, you know, when we shout unity, that means we have to cut ourselves off from things. Right? If we didn't walk through that process, we cannot fully understand the level of loyalty that he's asking us to walk out. A lot of Christians talk about faith, right? You hear that all the time. It's preached about all the time. But faith, faith isn't enough. So that might sound weird, right? Faith isn't enough. James 2.17 says, faith without works is dead. So if you don't have works, you have dead faith. What's faith? Faith without works is dead. So my question is, what's faith? Faith is a belief or a confidence or a moral conviction of truth. When trials come, your belief isn't enough. Your confidence isn't enough. When the trial comes to your door, you can't just hide in your house with your confidence. It's not enough. Amen? James 2.17 doesn't just say faith, right? It says faith without works is dead. So my second question is, what is works? What do you guys think works is? I mean, what have we been taught? What are works? Works are bad, right? It's religious. So what are works? We have to understand what works are so that our faith can be alive, right? I believe the message tonight is simple, but it's completely profound, and we're going to understand it in a way we never have. Works is an enterprise, a deed, or an act of faith undertaken for Yeshua's sake. That doesn't sound religious to me. That doesn't sound negative to me. An enterprise, a deed, or an act of faith undertaken for Yeshua's sake. So the question is, whose business are you carrying on? If you have faith, it's not enough. If you have faith without works, you're not carrying out his business. 
I would say loyalty, what we're talking about tonight, pledges. Pledges are an exchange of loyalties. So we have to understand what loyalty is. And loyalty is when you take your moral conviction, your belief, and you demonstrate it. You walk it out. That's when you have loyalty. That's the difference between a faithful person and a loyal person. A faithful person can just have beliefs. A loyal person will demonstrate those beliefs under pressure. Amen? Come on. We need some engagement. Come on. If you're pissed, I don't care. Throw something. Say, I'm mad at you right now, but I don't even care. I don't even care if that's the engagement. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you where we're going. You have to be willing to demonstrate your beliefs. And if you're not willing to demonstrate your beliefs, your faith is dead. And if you're mad at me right now, if you don't like how I'm talking to you right now, what's going to happen when the trial comes knocking on your door? And it's somebody who doesn't love you. So whose business are you carrying out? If you're just if you just have faith without works, you're not carrying out his business. So then what are you doing? I want to read Psalm 78. I'll read verses 1 through 11. Actually, I'll start towards uh, verse 2. It says, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter perplexing sayings from of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the next generation the praises of Adonai and his strength and his wonders he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and ordained Torah in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. This is important. I want you to remember this. He commanded the fathers to teach the children so that the next generation might know even the children yet to be born, they will arise and tell their children that they will put their trust in God, not forgetting the works of God, but keeping his mitzvah. So they will not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart, whose spirit was not loyal to Yahweh. This psalm is Yahweh speaking to the people of Israel saying, don't be like your fathers who didn't have heart and weren't loyal to me. He's stressing the importance of relaying generationally how important loyalty is for your children to know, for the fathers to teach the children and even the children yet unborn to rise up and teach their children about loyalty to Yahweh. You know why? Because he'll never forsake us. He'll never leave us. His loyalty goes on for eternity. I want you to remember about this generational issue and how important it is to teach children about loyalty to Yahweh. I mean, he's chastising the nation of Israel for what their fathers didn't do. So we can say that loyalty is important to Yahweh. Amen? Because the scripture says faith without works is dead. How many times have we heard that? How have we interpreted that? How have we, how have we walked as Christians understanding what faith means? How have we, how have we walked as Christians? I feel like there's going to be such a mindset shift Tonight, Matthew, I'm jump around a little bit. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be what? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. How have we interpreted that scripture? He laid that, that's one of my favorite. He laid it on me 
to relay to you guys tonight because he's calling you all peacemakers. What does that mean? What does that mean and how is that opposed to how we normally think Christians are supposed to be? If you make peace, you're forcing something. You're making something happen. If you're called as a vessel of peace, you're called to chaos. You're called to step into a chaotic situation that's not peaceful at all. So Yahweh's looking across the earth. He's looking in his church. He's looking in his, his Christian community and saying, where are my peacemakers? Those are the ones that are blessed. Those are the ones that I'm calling a son. The ones that are willing to step into a confrontational place and displace chaos and say, peace is here now because I'm here, because I was willing to confront something, because I was willing to not be nice. There may be a time, right, as a Hebrew, where you're not going to be nice. But we're supposed to be nice. We're Christians. We've been educated. We've been, we've been renamed Christians. We've been re-educated to be nice. Our legacy has been redirected from our original intent. We've been renamed re-educated, redirected, and we've embraced, it's been ingrained in us, and you can see it everywhere, the Christians are just going to sit over there and they're going to be nice. But Yahweh said, blessed are the peacemakers. Those are the one that I call son. Are you a son of God? Are you a son? Are you? I'm asking. I'm... <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and you are going to find out, and there will be a moment of truth, not because I'm preaching about it right now, but because the violence of fire is going to come to your door. And you will find out if you're a son of God, if you're called blessed, if you're there to make peace. And that's why I'm saying if you can't, if you just can't quite, and there's no condemnation here. That's why I said there is grace. There is expectation, but there's grace. There's grace, but there's expectation. Okay? Remember Psalm 78, don't forget that. Our fathers, our ancestors, their hearts were not loyal. And Yahweh felt it important to stress that. But he'll never leave us nor forsake us, so we know that his loyalty endures forever, amen? Loyalty is eternal. Proverbs 26 says, many will say they're loyal. Many people will say, I'm loyal. But who can find true loyalty? This verse to me says that loyalty is rare. And I'm telling you tonight, it's, it's just, I've been so burning about this because I feel like what's being imparted tonight is a true understanding and a true grasp of what it means to be loyal, what it means to have convictions and to demonstrate them. Most of us don't even have convictions to demonstrate. We've walked through a process where he said, what is your conviction? We have to have convictions. They have to be aligned with the truth. And now he's saying, now demonstrate that. But Proverbs 26 says, many will say it, but it's hard to find. He's going to find it in this house. Hosea 6.6 6 says, he delights in loyalty over sacrifice. He delights <laughs> in loyalty 
over sacrifice. Yahweh demonstrated, okay, we do what we see the Father doing. Yahweh demonstrated his loyalty before he demonstrated his sacrifice. In Psalm 78, he's talking to the nation of Israel, talking about how we need to remember his loyalty that endures forever. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. And this was before Yeshua. So he himself has demonstrated his loyalty to us before there was even a need for a sacrifice. So the father himself says, I want your loyalty. I delight in your loyalty over your sacrifice. What does that mean? He's saying, I want you to demonstrate your convictions before I care about what you sacrificed for me. Don't come to him and say, but Yahweh, but I did this. I fasted. I did all this stuff. He's going to say, where's your conviction and when did you walk it out? We're going to understand loyalty in a way that's going to unlock things in another realm. Hebrews 7.28 says, The word of the oath appoints a son who has been made perfect. You can see this oath preceding Yeshua. When you operate in loyalty, when you operate in pledges, which is what we're stepping into, the impartation that he's giving us, when you operate in a pledge, it actually precedes priesthood. Pledges are the precursor to your royal priesthood. For you to operate in your royal lineage, the the priesthood of Melchizedek, for you to be a co-heir with Yeshua in that, you have to operate in pledges and loyalties first. The word of the oath precedes the priesthood being made perfect, precedes your sanctification. You can see why Yahweh set it up this way, that he delights in loyalty because it sets you on a track to priesthood. It sets you on a course of sanctification that if you have no pledges, you cannot be set on. Loyalty does things when you operate in it by default. There are things inherent to loyalty that you can't escape from. When you demonstrate your faith in your convictions, it opens doors up for you. One of those things that it's going to cause is the violence of fire to come to your door. (laughs) But this is what's crazy. Is when you begin to understand this, you you begin to be hungry for the violence of fire to come to your door so I can be the first to get to the door. He said, we're a peculiar people. What kind of people would hunger for something to have convictions, to demonstrate something, to just wait for the violence to come to the door so I can answer it? What kind of crazy people do that? People that are loyal to Yahweh do that kind of crazy stuff. Hebrew people do those things. Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of the faith were all the type of people that understood this. What type of person would be persecuted, be hung, crucified to a tree and say, don't hang me like you did Yeshua, hang me upside down? (sighs) See, I love you guys. I love you guys. And that's why I get so fired up about this, because I love you, because I can see what's happening and what's coming. And there's going to come a time where you're going to be further renamed, further re-educated, and further redirected. And there's going to be criticism put on you because you're loyal. You will not be criticized if you don't have loyalties to something. You can't be criticized without loyalty to something. So if you're not facing criticism, you need to... You need to <laughs> You need to look at why. (laughs) 
blessed are the peacemakers, right? I feel like just for so long, we just, we hear something, it sounds nice. We latch onto it, we pray it, we preach it. We, blessed are the peacemakers, you know, bless you, bro. I love the police, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Thin blue line, what, you know, we just throw out all this stuff and we don't understand the, the weightiness and the gravity of what we're saying. I've never looked at this scripture and seen the Father looking. He was canvassing his bride saying, where are my sons at who are willing to be confrontational? guys good <laughs> faith without works is dead Ezekiel 17 18 says that if you break the covenant you despise your oath if you break your covenant that means you despise your oath you may not even have been aware that you have an oath but if you break your covenant you despise your oath which also means that you undermine, you negate, you self-destruct your priesthood. Pledges are the precursor to priesthood. If you break the covenant, you despise your oath, which means you despise the priesthood. You can see how all of this starts coming together in a tremendous amount of expectation that he's putting on us. I mean, this expectation has always been there. Our ignorance doesn't do away with the expectation, right? He's making us aware of this expectation now. And that's why I said, I don't want us to leave just like, God, <laughs> like, man, we suck, right? Yes, but there's grace, right? Yahweh set a man's heart on fire to set order amongst the men in this house. He's calling us to the carpet because he loves us, because he's challenging us. He's implementing a standard and calling us to the standard. We all should be doing that with our own children. That's what he's doing with us. That's a, uh, Derek is an instrument of what's happening with that right now. Can you see how critical it is, the course he has us on? Can you, can you begin to see with what's happening in the world and even already what's happened that he's made us aware of, the things that have been uh, out of order that Yahweh's redeeming? Can you begin to see those things? I want to... Um, if you have your word, you turn to Daniel 3. Daniel chapter 3. It's a story we've all heard before. It's a story we're aware of, but I, I truly believe that if you read Daniel 3 right now, the similarities between Daniel chapter 3 and what's happening right now are like uncanny. I'm not going to read this whole thing. We've, we've heard it before, but I, I want you guys to go home and read Daniel chapter 3 and put yourself in this position because we are going to be put in this position because we're engaging loyalty and you can't be criticized. There's a lot of things that can happen to you that won't happen unless you demonstrate your faith. If you have dead faith, you're not going to be aware. Uh, you're, not, you're not activating any type of, of uh, suffering. I'll start in verse four. This is about King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Verse four, a herald loudly proclaimed, you are proclaimed, you are commanded 
O people, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So the king's got his person making an announcement saying, when you hear this sound, everyone, you're going to fall down and you're going to worship this golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And then he threatens them. Whoever does not fall down and worship will that same hour be thrown into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. One of the things that drives me crazy about just the perspective of Christianity is that it's become synonymous with compliance. This is where we go back to the Christians are nice. You're not supposed to make waves. You're not supposed to cause trouble. Turn the other cheek, right? We say all these type of things that how Christians are supposed to be. The government says here is something you're mandated to do, which means as a Christian, I must comply. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. It's not just him saying who they are. It's him calling on them. Right? It's a calling. There's an aspect of peacemakers responding to a call. So when he says you're a son of God, it's because he's saying you have the capacity to respond when I call you to deal with some conflict. But no, no, let's have a let's let's meet with a bunch of pastors and deal with this coronavirus. And let's not even question whether we should comply or not. Let's just figure out how we're going to do ministry in the parking lot with everybody in their car six feet apart. One by one. Go, oh, this is what I'm, yeah, we're going to live stream. We're going to, we got, you know, the tech, the IT guy is going to set it all up. We got this and that. We're doing all this stuff. And then, you know, hey, yeah, oh, that's great. Let me take note. Let me write that down. All about compliance. And listen, as for me and my house, okay, as for them in their house, I'm not run. I'm not shepherding other people's churches, Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not attacking anybody. I'm just speaking generally about where Yahweh wants his sons to be. So then what happens in that dynamic is I have a conviction that I, that I personally hold and I'm willing to demonstrate it. Even if I'm the only one willing to voice an unpopular opinion and I'm going to be criticized for it. If I didn't have that conviction and I didn't demonstrate it, that criticism would never happen. So guess what? If you're a son of God and you're a peacemaker and you're willing to deal with confrontation and you have convictions and you've divested and you're going to demonstrate your faith, guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to happen? This is the option that you have. <clears throat> you guys are really going to be really excited about this. In Babylon, the option that the people had was suffer or sin. The Jewish people, the Hebrew people, when they got this demand from the king, their option was, you're going to suffer in a furnace or you're going to sin. And you had three. Cutter, Jalen, stand up. Sean, stand up. You had three men, three young men. They were 16, 17 years old. You had three men, just like this, young, just like this, 
This is where Psalm 78, this is why it's so important to Yahweh that he says fathers have to teach their children about loyalty. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those weren't even their names. You guys can sit down. Eric knows their name. What were their names? Those were their Hebrew names. But what happened was, because listen, you don't just find yourself in a fiery furnace all of a sudden. (laughs) You're not just going to all of a sudden find yourself being persecuted for Yeshua. Just all the, oh my God, I'm being persecuted. It doesn't happen like that. These young men found themselves in this place having to make this decision after a Babylonian king took them, renamed them, re-educated them, and redirected them over a process of time. He said, I'm going to take you into my kingdom. Now you're Babylonians. So your name isn't Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their very names mean worship this God, that God, whatever. Babylonian gods. Hananiah means God's grace. Mishael means who is like Yahweh. Azariah, Yahweh helps. Those were their names. King Nebuchadnezzar said, no, I'm going to rename you. Christians. Then I'm going to re-educate you. Have you heard that term, re-education? Has anybody else heard that term going around? You know, we're going to we're going to do we're going to start some re-education programs. There's been some renaming. Right? We've we're already being made aware that we've been renamed already, but Christians are being renamed in some cases as extremists or terrorists. If we can't divest from something simple, that Yahweh's highlighting. How are we gonna how are we gonna deal when the government comes down and labels you a terrorist? So King Nebuchadnezzar, over the course of time, he renamed these Hebrew boys, these young men. He gave them Babylonian names. He re-educated them. He basically attacked their identity, their belief system, and their legacy. He renamed them. He changed their identity. He tried to. He re-educated them. He tried to change their belief system, and he redirected them by trying to change their legacy. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about loyalty and pledges and how that will safeguard you. Why Yahweh felt it was important and why he chastised the nation of Israel and the fathers because they lacked loyalty. So you have these boys, these young men that have been through this process. They've been through this indoctrination process. They're going, they're given the choice. You're either going to, because he knew they were Jews. He knew they were Hebrews. You're either going to suffer or you're going to sin. If you are loyal you will willingly suffer violence. (laughs) Over sin. I had Sean protesting at the school for his convictions, protesting on a very cold morning, and they said, wear your mask or stand outside. He said, I'll stand outside. But we got a lot of Christians that just get offended and, well, I'm just going to go to this other church and I'm going to go over here now because you upset me, because you offended me, because we're so fragile. How big of a jump is it from that to a hungry people 
that are called the sons of God, that Yahweh says you're blessed, and I know when I call you, you're going to respond, and you're going to get confrontational, and you're going to deal with conflict, and you're just going to jump into it, and you're going to walk out your convictions, and you're going to willingly suffer violence. No, I don't go to that church anymore because I didn't like the way they talked. (laughs) And I'm not saying that's all Christians. You know, I'm not. You guys get what I'm saying. Whoever does not fall down in worship, well, that same hour, you don't even have time to think about it. Here's the threat. And you don't even have time to think about it. In that same hour, you'll be thrown in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, what happened? What, what is so powerful about loyalty that three 16, 17-year-olds could willingly suffer the violence of fire when an entire nation the horn goes off we fall on our face and worship this thing from this king (laughs) I was reading this and I'm like wow I mean not that it's that not that any you know not that any pastors are getting thrown in a furnace right now All the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. At that time, Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews. So here comes the criticism. You got the threat. Now you have the criticism. They spoke up and said to the king, may the king live forever. Now they're they're kissing up now too. May you live forever, king, who just threatened us with suffering and sin and throwing us in a furnace and giving us no time to think about it. We love you. You, O king, made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the blah, 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 all the music must fall down and worship the golden image, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the midst of the blazing fire. So you have the threat. You have the criticism. Now you have people that are like you pointing you out. There are certain Jews whom you appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon. Who's he ta- who are they talking about? These three young boys. King, you're so great, but listen, there's these Jews over here. They're not worshiping what you said to worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those men pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, nor will they worship the golden image that you've set up. The king was furious. Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be summoned. When these men were brought before the king, Nebuchadnezzar responded to them saying, Is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the golden image that I set up? Now if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound, and he he does it again. He gives them another chance. He says, If you don't worship the golden image that I set up, if you're ready at the moment you hear the sound, the pipes and all the music, you must fall down and worship the image that I've made. But if you do not, you will immediately be thrown into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. Then what God will be able to deliver you out of my hands? Can you see the progression of, I mean, this is on top of the entire process of renaming, attacking the identity, re-educating, attacking the belief system, redirecting, attacking the legacy, the process of doing all of that. Right? And now they're before King Nebuchadnezzar and he's giving him one more chance. Now he's challenging what God. Remember, one of their names is who is like Yahweh? And he's saying, what God? The mockery. So guess what? Let's add that to the list. 
great, suffering, violence, mockery, criticism, being snitched out by your own kind. Now you have the, all, the person in power mocking you. They replied to the king saying, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you concerning this matter. Think about that. They're sitting before the king that's telling them he's going to kill them. And they're saying, we don't answer to you. I feel like a lot of what people think is miraculous about this story, they focus on the end result of the fourth man in the fire. The only reason the fourth man was in the fire was because they demonstrated, they walked out their convictions and they were found loyal to where they could encounter him because they were willing to suffer it. You don't just all of a sudden find yourself in a fire of persecution. We don't need to answer to you. Where's the compliance? We don't need to answer you concerning this matter. If it is so, our God whom we serve is able to save us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Yet, even if he doesn't, let it be known to you I just picture like if my son, if one of my sons was engaged and somebody was demanding something of them, but it didn't line up with what I've taught them. That if they said, my father's gonna come and he's gonna help me, but even if he doesn't. Like how, how powerful for teenagers, how powerful is loyalty that teenagers could walk in this manner in the face of an entire nation, mocking them, criticizing them, calling them out. He said, yet even if he does not, let it be known to you that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you set up. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and the appearance of his face changed towards them. He ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than it was normally heated and commanded some of the mighty men in his army to tie them up and cast them into the furnace. So these men wearing their robes, tunics, hats, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. But because the king's order was so urgent in the furnace, so extremely hot, a raging flame killed those men who carried them up in there. And these three men fell bound into the midst of the blazing fire. The king was astonished and leapt to his feet. He asked the ministers, I can just, I can just picture it. Other, his own army is dying because they're getting so close to this fire that's so hot. They throw these three young men in the fire, and the king's astonished. He's looking in there, talking to people in his court, saying, who's this fourth man in the fire? He said, look, I see four men walking about unbound and unharmed in the middle of the fire, and the fourth has the appearance like a son of the gods. See, when, when you walk in loyalty, it actually... You're, you're losing your life to gain it, and you're actually being honored and given authority from an unearthly realm. Too many people will try to find the honor and the, the accolades or the accomplishment or the pat on the back from the earthly authority, from the king. That entire nation, they just bowed because they wanted, hey, good job guys did the right thing. You've embraced my legacy now. You worship our gods now. You're going you're gonna to have the Babylonian legacy now. And that's what people were after. But these boys knew. They knew there's honor from another place. 
There's an authority from a heavenly realm that you can't access if you don't walk in loyalty. But they just didn't all of a sudden find themselves in this place. They're just, your loyalty causes you to encounter Yahweh in the fire. Loyalty will cause you to suffer violence. When you go to Hebrews 11, it's one of my favorite chapters because it talks about heroes of the faith, right? People that were martyred, people that gave their life even though they didn't fully see what we see now. In chapter 11, verse 34, the apostle says, he talks about quenching the violence of fire and he's talking about them. He's talking about those three young men that were willing to be loyal, walk out their convictions and encountered Yeshua in the midst of the fire. And guess what? Honor and authority came from another place to where Nebuchadnezzar pulled them out and reestablished them to an even greater position. Nebuchadnezzar didn't do that. <clears throat> That's why I said in the beginning, if you're if you're stuck on divesting from something, what are you going to do when the king says, do this or else? What are you going to do when the government mandates something that goes against your conviction? So you're going to suffer or you're going to sin. Can you see how easily you could be presented with that situation? Is it, are you guys okay? Is it just me? <laughs> can you guys see how easily, can you see circumstances where that's already happened to you? You have been presented with a mandate, a threat. You're either going to sin because what we're demanding of you goes against your conviction or you're going to suffer because there's some type of consequence that's going to be implemented on you because you don't bow down. Corona was just a, a uh, hey, let me throw a, a counterfeit out there. Let me throw a fake crown out there and see how many Christians fold under that light pressure. Listen, the encouraging thing about all of this is I truly believe, like, what's happening with the men? What's being laid on Derek's heart? What's making him break and weep is because Yahweh is, is getting our family in order, and he's getting our families to a place to where we will demonstrate our faith. Because faith without any works, which is the enterprise or the act or the deed for Yeshua's sake, faith without that is dead. Just like these boys, right? These Hebrew boys, they were renamed their identity their inheritance, their legacy, all that was, was attacked. Systematically, over time. <sighs> when you choose to demonstrate your convictions in your faith, you will choose suffering over sin every time. That's, that's not a, a great choice. Right? It's not like vacation or, right? But loyal people will willingly suffer violence before they will sin. It even gives you kind of a, a, new, a new perspective on sin. 
too many of us are too concerned or, or have this idea about sin that it's like, and, and the enemy gets us so, so isolated and so entrapped and so entangled in our own screw-ups. Oh, you're so sinful. You're so shameful. You've, you've done this. Look what you did last week. When Yahweh's really after, who can I call upon? Who are the sons of God I can call upon that I'm going to call blessed because they're willing to go through a process. They're willing to walk out their convictions. Nobody's perfect. That's why I say at the beginning, Yahweh is calling the men in this house to the carpet. There's tremendous grace for us now, but there's also tremendous responsibility. And it's simply not going to be the case anymore that as a man, you don't take any degree of responsibility for your house. Me included. Anybody call me out. because I want to be held accountable because I don't, I don't want to fold when something hard comes along and just, oh, nope, I'm going to sin. I'm going to go against, I'm just going to put my conviction in the drawer and shut the drawer and I'll just go along with whatever's being told or expected of me to do. I'll just put that conviction, just put it in the drawer and close it. Oh yeah, what do you want me to do? Sure, yeah, I'll do that. Dead faith. Right. I don't I don't even know where else to to I mean I could just continue to yell at you guys and <clears throat> Do you guys do you guys feel the 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 shifting? We're we're he has us on a course for a purpose. Sometimes I think to myself, Yahweh, why, why are we doing this? Why, <laughs> why have you taken us down this peculiar course, this narrow of narrows that nobody else seems to want to join us on? We're Hebrews, right? People are like, okay. Okay, you're not a Christian anymore. Like, you know, and then they're like, when I leave, they're like, we need to pray for that guy. <laughs> but I truly feel like proud to be amongst people like you guys because I feel like this isn't this isn't a message that you're going to have a hard time with. Will it be hard, challenging? Yes, but it's not like you, I feel like it hits you in your spirit and you're like, yes. I know Noel, when the fire of violence comes to the door, you're going to say, I'm going to go quench that. Right? I know the men in here would do that. And we may not feel capable. We may not feel like we're qualified or we have the capacity in us to do that. But that's what's awesome about Yahweh. All the all Hebrews 11 is filled with people that made all kinds of mistakes. Probably didn't feel qualified if you asked them. Probably didn't think, hey, if a king's going to throw you in a furnace, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like people don't think about those things, but I really feel like the way that our world is going, it's not now that Corona's over, it's not like time to rest because it's going to get better. It's going to get worse. Right? And for people like us that have convictions, that have faith, that are willing to demonstrate it and walk it out, we have things in store for us. All the things that I talked about are the things that we can expect, Katie, those are the things that when somebody says comply or go outside, Katie said, I'm going outside. Our kids, our teens, our youth 
just like in that day, are the ones that are saying, I'll go outside. And most adults are like, is it really that bad? Just put your conviction in the drawer. That's why we have to, we've been even renamed and re-educated as Christians because we've been raised and it's been ingrained in us to think that, well, no, we're Christians. We just, we comply. We make, we don't make waves. We make things easy. We love people. <laughs> and I, I, I feel like personally, I wouldn't be loving you guys if I did that. If I told you that, I wouldn't be loving you. If I raised my kids to be that way, I'm not loving them. Because in Psalm 78, Yahweh said, it's those people that forgot they weren't loyal. They didn't teach the next generation how to be loyal. They were rebellious. He, he chastised them. So we do what we see our father doing. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.